0: Welcome back to the Brothers Book Club Podcast. We are here with episode 51 of our Penguin Little Black Classics Review Collection. This is when we've taken up the endeavor of reviewing all 80, of Penguin's Little Black Classics. These are short volumes of world literature, kind of a survey of the globe. Um, If this is your first episode, welcome. You've got a special one because we have a full house, full slate of guests, or I guess co-hosts. There's three co-hosts at this point co 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 hosting uh ryan is here on the other end so the brother is in effect he's in the house
1: back-to-back episodes it's a big deal from uh from over here
0: It sure is. Uh, Very graciously, his wife and child are letting this happen. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. We can keep the streak alive. And also, co-host of The Pod, Amanda, is with us again as well. Amanda, welcome back. Thank you. (laughs) It's amazing to be here, the three of us, true brothers in arms in books and literature. And Amanda, again, we're just going to honorary get you into the family at this point.
2: (laughs) My last name started with a W, so... (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Honorary, that's close enough Honorary
1: Wood Brother at this point
0: Yeah, oh, nice. yeah man, it, it's all about the thoughtfulness we put into the literature and, and no one does it better than you, so it counts I mean, honestly, it's, it, the research is half the battle <laughs> We are here today with a rather unique inclusion in the collection um, I think it's been a little bit since we did non-fiction Though I think, Amanda, you and I lasted a diary entry I think that was the last non-fiction we did This has yep. uh, some weird similarities to that um and and some dissimilarities too it is by mozart you know the musician guy (laughs) the person whose music i should know and definitely don't know i mean it's (laughs) classical stuff i'm just the world's biggest ignoramus in all classical music i don't know the difference between any of it at all
1: we're reading yeah go ahead i hope you do edit maybe the intro or the outro music to maybe some of the the classics
0: oh you could do mozart for this one i think you have to That might be fitting, actually. I mean, it is...
1: a special episode.
0: It is the episode dedicated to his life and works and a specific year in his life. These are letters that he wrote in correspondence he wrote to his father. Fascinatingly, in this collection, there are more letters that his father wrote than he did. Like Mm -hmm. Penguin, what they put together here, it's actually mostly his father's writing. I think when I tallied them up, it's like four to three or four to two or something. So its letters with between him and his father uh, that take place in in like a one year span of time when he's pretty young. Amanda, why don't we start with you for the one sentence simile reviews? This is when we give a quick impression of the book right up front. What was uh reading The Mozart Letters like?
2: Uh to me, uh reading this was like watching a celebrity reality show, kind of like watching the mm-hmm. Kardashian show but with classier people <laughs> doing okay.
0: it. Sure. I'm going to let that, uh, I think Ryan's going to let that insult slide. That is his employer, by the way. i oh, sorry. I wasn't yeah. sure if you knew, I wasn't sure if you knew that going, in. W- I wanted that joke to sit in there because I wasn't sure if you knew that.
2: <laughs> I did not know that, but how nice.
1: No, I, know, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's fitting. I would even go so far as to say maybe even a slightly more like intelligent uh, <laughs> yeah. reality, reality I think, show. Uh,
0: I yeah. think I'll let the editorial commentary go. Yeah, go unchecked. Feel free. <laughs> let
1: it rip. Yeah. This is off the cuff. Totally yeah. off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What what connections did you fe- find to that? And also, do you, I have no real conception of those shows. I mean, I know what reality TV is. Obviously, I'm not like, I don't live under a rock, but I've never engaged with any of the celebrity stuff. What, what did you find similar about it?
2: Just that people have a fascination, I think, with uh, celebrities and they want to see what makes them so special, right? So that's why yeah. shows like the Keeping Up with the Kardashians and stuff like that, people are hungry for that. And that's why paparazzi have jobs that will never go away. It's because people want to see how human celebrities are, but also how different their lives are. So mm-hmm. with Mozart, we actually get to see how human he is. And it's like a peek in to see who he really is as a person at least from the lens of who he is to his father, right? Like, I'm sure yeah. that the Kardashians are different off screen than they are on screen. Um, yeah. One would right. hope, anyway. So, like, <laughs> the, I'm sure <laughs> everybody has a different hat for a different, you know, group of people that they're talking to. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, we get to see what Mozart is like with his father. And so, uh, that's what I was thinking of is like the, the celebrity lens, but we still get just like a little chunk of who he is as a person.
0: Yeah, completely. And I, it's weird. I remember there was, um, I don't remember when this article I, or when I read this article, but it it was in college, but there was a person who, like a scholar who was bemoaning that since people don't write letters and keep them anymore, we basically lost it. Like in the last hundred years, an entire like very valuable genre of literature, basically where, and it, where it reveals the inner lives of people in a way that I guess email kind of does that now, but like, you'd have to compile a person's like life of emails and maybe texts But it's kind of like a genre that was taken so seriously, as you can tell in these letters, how detailed they are and how like open and vulnerable they are. And that stuff has just kind of been lost. Like you don't there's not going to be some kind of uh, exegesis on famous people's um, personal lives
1: or emails. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: At least I don't think in the same way. And this definitely reads that way. Let me do. Um. My connection or, or sorry, not connection. My simile review is kind of a contrast to that, but um, similar. I just wrote that it was sort of like eavesdropping, which is obviously maybe too simplistic. It's very literal because you are literally, I mean, at this point, eavesdropping on these deceased people's you know correspondence, but it's kind of like you're doing it in an intimate way. So maybe like when you're at a hospital and you're in a maybe common meeting room and you're like, you can't help but like look over at the person who's like bone is sticking out or you can't like help but <laughs> hearing the doctor like screaming like, Oh my, you know, somebody <laughs> rushes in from an ambulance. Like you're weirdly compelled. It's kind of brutal, but also it's very, I don't know. There's a lot of empathy to it as well. Maybe it's a bit scandalous. I wrote that adjective down too since I'm throwing them all out there, but I think it was kind of, yeah, it's very, it was very intimate. So it really did feel like eavesdropping, mm-hmm. but I think the, and and maybe this is the part of the celebrity that becomes appealing in the things like this, but it felt very human and very base in, in a not maybe such a negative way.
2: Right.
1: I think the human part is, and I'm I'm just going to catapult directly into my uh, mm-hmm. similar review. But I thought the human part kind of came through towards the end, and I think that was kind of the more endearing or interesting parts of it for me was over over the course of the like whatever 10 or 15 letters that you get to read, you get to kind of understand like the father son dynamic. And it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty interesting. A lot of stuff reads a little bit personal still, even over 200 yeah. years, you know, 200 plus years, 200, almost 250 years ago um, between like a, is it, it's a younger Mozart. It's like a 20, 22-year-old Mozart, mm-hmm. I think, is what they were talking about. But um, yeah, given the context, I thought, to me, it was slightly mundane, I think, in the beginning. But as you get to kind of dissect the bits and pieces and you get a little bit more of the correspondence, I think that's kind of where the where it kind of pays off. The it's reader. the
0: connection that I think is the the clearest, again, to the point of like, is this too obvious to even say? But if you did want to make a connection to, to 20, um I was about to say 2019, who knows what <laughs> year it is anymore? Who cares? <laughs> 2020, whatever. Yeah. Um But if you want to make a really clear connection, yeah, parental relationships. I mean, these are, this is one part of humanity that in the history of the written word has not changed. I mean, it, it's different between cultures and such and time periods, but it's like, it's, it's going to be dominant for as long as we have parents. <laughs> so yeah. I think the insight into their relationship and the, the specifics of it, you know, how much you relate to them can vary person to person. I think for me, the thing that jumped out the most was the financial kind of interdependence. And that is something that my family has like financially supported me, but it's never been as explicit as it has been here. I mean, there was some stuff in college and, and there's financial stuff there, but this was like, you know, a lot of back and forth about like, we need money, don't spend this money. It's kind of like they were sharing. And so I couldn't relate to that, but the a lot of the just interpersonal and family father-son dynamics are incredibly relatable. It's it's like the simplest, most basic relationship you can have and that you kind of have to have.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, making making a connection from these letters to, for me personally, it absolutely goes directly to a lot of those. I mean, you think about yourself when you're like a younger, you know, 20 something year old person Mm -hmm. going around living your life. Like the, the correspondence that you have with your parents is mostly like, you know, what are, what are you doing? Where are you? Like, you could have told me about that before. Like you're, you know, you need to be paying attention to this, this, and this. Like, don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at you, but I, yeah, I'm like trying to understand. I'm trying to, like, you know, think about your well being and all these things. It's like that really came across early in uh, Leopold's, that, that's Mozart's dad, too. I think so. Yeah. Letters to him, where it's like, it's like, dude, you got to let me know. Like, where you know you're traveling all over? You're all over Germany. You're going to France. You're like bopping around. Like, what's like, what's the deal? I think you know, it's it's poorly planned. Yada, yada yada. And the money thing is like, uh, that was that was really apparent through the letters too. Where it's like, you're not even sure where Mozart was at in his career, but it was it was clear to him very early on that when he was like around 20 years old, that's like, dude, your mom, your your sister, me, like we're all depending on you. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is kind yeah. like this is kind of up to you now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The dependence there is again, was very foreign to me, but there, there were s- small intimacies about the relationship that, that seemed like such strong connections. Did you have a connection, Amanda to 2020 for a r- current reader that, Anything they could latch on to here?
2: Yeah, I also, of course, uh, focused on the, the idea of the, the parent. My focus with the parent and the, the child was the, the struggle between independence and Uh, Mm -hmm. the the parent wanting to continue to parent where we see Leopold actually at one point says like, I don't need a blow by blow of like exactly what you're doing and exactly what you're spending and blah. And then later on, he's like, but you do need to give me like a blow by blow for like everything that you're doing. And it reminded me so much of, Of just like your your stereotypical like helicopter parent, right? The kind who just like is constantly hovering, and that's how I felt about uh, Leopold's relationship with Mozart was that he was Mm -hmm. uh, giving a lot of advice, even like you know unasked for advice, which is very much like my mom, who is a helicopter parent times a million, and. (laughs) <laughs> so that's uh that was something that I was uh focusing on and and now that my daughter is a toddler she's and she's starting to tell me no and wanting to do things right. herself uh mm-hmm. even though like you know if I let her feed herself it ends up mostly on her it's like uh-huh. <laughs> it's I'm starting to actually like better understand like Leopold and my mother's perspectives but I think that's just an interesting from my perspective, that's what I I really focused on when I was reading these two letter, these two um, people's letters.
0: Yeah, I think the the intensity of it comes through quite clearly. Though again, it, there's some distance, and it's not we have such instant communication now. I can't imagine parenting today with the, with just the way texting alone kind of tweaks that relationship or dynamic. In terms of, um, I feel like I see Reddit posts about this a lot of parents that are like. If you don't text me every ten minutes, your ground, you know, just like really intensive, like clingy kind of just behavior. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. this is just such a different world when it's you know he's he's weeks away from him, and the the best they can do is a letter check in every you know couple weeks or something, and they can't even reliably communicate. So, but it isn't it, the intensity. I think does come through though. The times have changed.
1: Yeah, and I thought that was kind of like in the context of things and relating it to your own experience trying to contextualize like a correspondence with someone you really care about, whether it's your mom Mm -hmm. or your dad or your brother and just trying to think about how even a letter that could reach them in 14 days, like if, if it even gets there um, like trying to just put your, yourself and your relationship with that person into that, trying to understand that i think that was also one of the most interesting parts because there were parts in these um in the letters where like the timing would overlap and you'd be like oh i just got your letter from you know four days ago and i'm like yeah. updating it now i just got this like yeah it would it, that would that would have been such a like such a hard thing to have to go through
0: And in the unless I really deeply misinterpreted um, and we will, I think for nonfiction, we can go full spoilers, whatever the heck that means for things that have already occurred hundreds of years ago or whatever. But in the last letter, when he learns about his wife dying, like I think he does. There's a moment in there unless I completely didn't comprehend it, but where he's like he's it was like he was composing the letter and then he got a new one. So yeah. then he had to update his letter saying, like, well, I just got the news, you know, like I assumed she was sick, but now I it's confirmed she's deceased. Did um so let's jump in then because I think I mean we've set this up really well. Uh let's jump into some stylistic components. Amanda, did you have a quote that jumped out to you? I will say you did pick one that I too was going to pick and then did not, the oh, Voltaire really? one. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, mostly because um, I love Voltaire. Yeah. And I love <laughs> and I really enjoyed reading Voltaire in college. And then of course these, um, here's something I didn't know about Mozart. Extremely Catholic, like yeah. a lot of religious chatter in this yeah, collection. Him,
1: him and his dad did yeah, not get uh, that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it was a lot. Um, yeah. I, I picked it cause I, I actually like laughed when I read it. Um, so mm-hmm. it's from the July 3rd uh, letter and it says the ungodly arch villain Voltaire has died miserably like a dog, just like a brute. This is his reward. So <laughs> I chose it because there are actually several snarky comments from Mozart about like a lot of things, oh, yeah. uh, especially yeah. the French. So yeah. when I read the comment about Voltaire, I was like, oh man, I wonder, is it because he was an atheist or was it because he's French or was it the combination of the two? Be boring, or was yeah. there's something personal. Like I was very yeah. curious about that.
1: Could be all three.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it could yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, but what I – Um, was pointing out with this particular quote was that we get to see who, like, not just, like, this idealized form of Mozart, but we also get to Mm -hmm. see, like, a part of him that, you know, surprised me. Um, you You don't think about these musical geniuses as having, I don't know, you just, they're so... I want to say like otherworldly, right? And you mm-hmm. s- you see yeah, him as like yeah. almost superhuman. And then you see this yeah. part where like Mozart is is talking smack about people. And he does actually like kind of make fun of a lot of people, especially if the people are at all interested in music. <laughs> he like right. really tears them apart. And it's just, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And that's, and we get to see who Mozart is as a person. And that's what really drew me through the readings
0: yeah it's the the voice of him which is you know in the simplest writing way it's so clear here is is really i don't know welcoming in a way not yeah. that he is welcoming he can be rather bitter but it it really does invite you in and keeps the reading kind of fresh and Um, relatable I suppose I'll tack my because I also had I felt like I was obligated to pick a quote that showed his more bitter side or his more kind of like invective side and so I chose one I just went for the trifecta here I granted this spans three pages so he's not like rifling this off in one paragraph but between three pages he says It's also one of the main reasons why detest Salzburg, the coarse, ill-mannered, and dissolute court musicians. And then he talks about their breeding, by the way. We can get into that. And (laughs) And then later he says, I know her, and you can be assured that she has sugar and honey on her lips, but pepper in her heart and head. And then lastly, on the next page, he says, the French are asses and will always remain so. They can do nothing themselves. They have to rely on foreigners. Again, that's like a three page span. That's one letter, though. He says those. And it's yeah. like it's it's the Trinity because it hits uh, national lines. It hits breeding lines and it hits just like interpersonal. I just don't like her. I think she's rude lines. And it is really rampant. You can kind of categorize his hatreds in, into different groups in a way. And I think, yeah, it's that those are the moments that kind of pull you through. It's also and I didn't pull a quote for this, but it is in between moments like that. It's pretty dense with. You know, there's a lot of talk about the musical compositions he's making, there's talks about his travels, and I think the interest in those moments for me kind of waxed and waned. I think these these quotes, granted, again, they, they show his more honest side and his kind of lashing out, and per, perhaps even some discomfort that he had, or maybe he's projecting a little bit. I think those three quotes, by the way, were from the letter that he also, when he informed his dad um, that his mother had died. And so it's very odd to go from like, there's a paragraph about his mother passing. And then he just jumps into like, man, you know, fuck all these people of all varieties (laughs) and for all these different reasons.
1: I mean that you're, you're so right. I think there's so much to unpack there. And I thought the same exact thing, you know, it's like, it's literally like from paragraph to paragraph where it's like, I I have terrible news. I have to inform you like mom is sick. And then the next paragraph is like, yeah, you know, you're right. That concerto that I made, like those guys were assholes. They couldn't put it at all. That shit sucked. But it like, I don't know. I'll even go even, I guess more narrow minded than that. I think that to me is what made this whole, uh, like volume or, uh, collection of letters worth reading was like those super simple in between the lines, things where it's like, oh shit that's kind of like a, he's kind of a mad genius or you know like thinking about the arc of his career and how this might have been at like the very beginning it's like I mean mm-hmm. he had thoughts and opinions granted you know they might not have all been correct or you know spot on but it was yeah it was really interesting getting into like super specific part of who he was as a person because I think, Amanda, what you said earlier, that kind of gets, like, glossed over when you think of Mozart in total, like, oh, this, like, classical genius, you know, this guy is, like, the most, like, you know, brilliant composer in the world, and he did definitely have, like, that, you know, he was highly opinionated, especially when it came to music, and, um, yeah, sure, Bloodlines, and like other European places, countries, he hates Salzburg. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it, that stuff was interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Did you, were there any quotes that stood out to you from his side? Anything that you plucked that he wrote that really intrigued
1: you? Uh, the Voltaire one I, I also pulled cause that one was a big one. Yeah. I, I really like that. Um, but I, I don't know. Some of the other stuff, uh, to me, like we were talking about earlier, I, and I I rarely post the quotes that they kind of pull and they put in the front of the book, but um, oh, yeah. this one, I think it was from page 16 when his dad kind of grilled him on like where he was and what he was doing. And his response was kind of like this really generic, like kind of like, here's where I've been, here's what I've been doing. And when he was like, I was determined to leave. I don't remember where he was, but he's like, they wouldn't let me. They wanted me to give them a concert I wanted them to beg me, so they did, and I gave them a concert. That's kind of like, I don't. know. I thought that was like a really interesting uh, exchange and approach. Uh, that was mm-hmm. I don't, it's kind of short and it's kind of pompous, but I, you know, it, given in the context, I think it's probably justified. You know, like that's it's really interesting that was. You was know, well, you know, there
0: any better quote to represent a? perhaps overly skilled 22 year old, then I wanted them to beg me. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. much if, if that were yeah. written into a novel, that would be about as direct of characterization as you can ever apply. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was definitely, he's definitely
2: petulant in a lot of Like, I feel yeah. like emotionally he was still kind of a teenager, which is also, I think a reflection on how much he relied on his dad for the money. Right. He was like, mm-hmm. so nitpicky about, the jobs and stuff. And, and it's because I think he was still in that like teenager mode where it's like, everything is owed to him. He knows everything, but making his own way and making his own money. Like he wants to do it on his own terms. I saw that as very like youthful, like very much a Mm -hmm. young type of thing to do.
1: Uh, No, that was yeah, I pretty much just agree with, uh, with that. It was just like, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was a really interesting side. Um, and I, I think also given that I think to this point he hadn't achieved, like, the level of success that a lot of people associate Mozart with, um, mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting to see that that was, like, basically where he was coming from since he was, like, a young adult. Let's give
0: um as we mentioned up top let's give the Mozart's father is it Leopold his his due um did anyone pull quotes from him or by him because like I said it granted Mozart is the main attraction here he's basically a one name legend in the just western canon at this point but it, there's a lot of letters from his father here if not the majority of them did anyone pull a quote from him Amanda did you got one
2: Yep I've got one from October 23rd and it says um Tell Wolfgang or Wolfgang mm-hmm. that the court baker's saucer-eyed daughter who danced with him at the stern, who often paid him friendly compliments and who en- ended by entering the convent at Laredo, has returned to her father's house. Will Wolfgang be so kind as to refund to her father the money which the pomp and all the fine preparation for entering her convent cost him? So I pulled that one because uh, we could see some of Leopold's... Um, mm-hmm. A sense of humor and he, and he and Mozart do kind of like poke fun both at each other and at other people and this is not just a reflection of of Leopold's sense of humor but we also see that in Wolfgang uh, Mozart's mm-hmm. uh, writing as well where we see the the kind of like fun that they that they joke around with and stuff and, and at one point actually leopold does say later in one of his letters like this isn't a joke like traveling and journeying uh-huh. and making your own way through life is not a joke so th- they know that they have a good sense of humor and stuff um and it's just another way i think of seeing another side of both leopold and his uh son mozart and and seeing who they are as people which is really interesting and me.
0: i found if they hadn't connected so much over the religious aspects of their lives, clearly Mozart was influenced, I think, probably by his Catholic parents. I yeah. would have found the tone to be, I guess, firm, maybe veering into Stern, though. The, like, the quote I picked shows kind of his grim worldview, and I've, I think it did shine through in a lot of the financial talk that he put into the letters. On page 24 through 25, he says, at times of terrible predicament, all your friends disappear. My son, to find one man in a thousand who is your true friend for reasons other than self-interest is one of the greatest wonders of this world. And it's kind of the epitome of his parental wisdom giving. And it's a grim kind of pessimistic type of wisdom to give to someone. I think maybe you could, if you want to be generous to him, you could say it's maybe realistic, quote unquote. I mean, they they say statistically what like happy adults end up with only like three or four close friends or whatever so you know there might be some truth to it right better three close friends than a thousand facebook friends and yeah. you know <laughs> what is facebook anyway but people selling you like probiotics or trying to get you into marketing schemes nowadays um <laughs> <laughs> I, or at least that's what I hear. Um, we're back up on Facebook's, you know, I'll promote that maybe at the end of the episode. So we'll find out shortly ourselves, but right. yeah, I think it's, it is, it does feel hyperbolic almost, but I think it, he said it with sincerity. I don't, I don't think there's any joking or, um, kind of jovial tone to that quote. He, I think that is what he believed and was trying to like coach his son through life in that way
2: for sure. I, I noticed actually that a lot of Leopold's writing aside from like when he's joking with Mozart, his writing t- and his advice is like very cynical. A lot yeah. of the time I was just like, yeah. Yeah. wow, like you have no faith in people. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: He had a, he had a pretty pessimistic worldview. Um, I think mm-hmm. especially when it came to, yeah, just trying to warn, I guess a young talented kid about, people who might be willing to take advantage of him and like mm-hmm. you know, who he's talking to and like who he's working with. Uh, but it, again, you kind of now that you look back on that from like a parental point of view, it's like, no, oh, maybe that's not so stern. Maybe it's coming from a good place. Um, and you kind of relate to it a little bit more, but it does come off as like super harsh and a little judgmental at times.
0: Oh yeah. And sure. I think do- it's more of the content of it, too. I think in, in terms of, I think I said tone earlier, maybe I misspoke, but in terms of how he speaks to his son, there's like a warmth, friendliness, and kind of honesty to it all. It's the it's like the literal moral content of it that is that is the cynical part or the pessimistic part. Like the, the message is delivered in in a kind of a kind way, but it's a brutal message. You know, it's a very unwelcoming, oh, yeah. unhopeful message. But yeah, I think he doesn't. In terms of his actual speaking to him, it, there are moments that are a little harsher than others, but for the most part, there's a lot of warmth. I mean, they end every letter with millions of kisses, which I almost pulled that quote because it was such an odd and like weirdly specific kind of charming little uh, yeah. sign-off that they always did.
1: Yeah. Um, like your most obedient pr- son type thing. If, which is if I weird. were
0: more cynical, I would call the kisses thing creepy, but I think it's kind of sweet. Whatever. <laughs>
1: Yeah, sure. Hundreds of years old. It's like, well, I mean, what would you do? I'd hug you, kiss you. I don't know. Whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Kiss your family, man. It's cool. Uh, Let's jump to, let's get out of quotes for a second and jump into the literary corner. We do like to do an educational segment on every pod where we... Educate you, the listener, on some kind of literary device or literary technique that showed up in the text. Amanda, why don't you take? Because you and I did put down different ones this week, which is cool when that happens. Why don't you introduce yours first, and then I'll uh, briefly do mine before we go to reviews.
2: Sure. Um, the one that I chose was parallelism, which is when you use repeating words and forms to give pattern and rhythm to a passage in literature. So mm-hmm. that's just when you have two structures that are similar, two sentences or even two parts of a sentence that are, are framed similarly, and they're done that way in order to either compare or contrast the content itself. Um, mm-hmm. So both... Leopold and um, Wolfgang use parallelism several times in their writing, which I thought was interesting because I, I wasn't specifically reading this in order to uh, look for literary devices. Cause I knew that this was going to be letters and not fiction, yeah, but I found it course. anyway, because that's just how I read. Course, yeah. <laughs> so, um, An example um, of like Leopold's is he says, Mark well, my son, that to find one man in a thousand who is your true friend from unselfish motives is to find one of the greatest wonders of this world. So we see that one of and one of. And then Mm -hmm. Wolfgang's is in Salzburg, everyone is master, so no one is master. Not every person in authority can become a Kapellmeister, but a Kapellmeister must become a person of authority. So we see that parallelism um, used by both of them. And I was, you know, I was reading that and I was like, I wonder if that was uh, something particular to them. And of course they're going to have similar beats in the way that they write. And I'm sure in their speech patterns and stuff like that, because yeah, you know, they're close and, and he raised uh, Mozart. But I was wondering if that was just something that maybe they picked up from like their readings. Was that a common thing um, that we see in 18th century writing? Like I just, found that really interesting or even
0: or even german writing i mean these this has been translated right. from the german um i believe or i assume german right
2: yeah
0: okay yeah well i wasn't even sure again i know very little about mozart so there we go i just assumed based on the cities they mentioned and countries that they were german but yeah it could be a translation thing too uh, notably both of those quotes i think the way that kind of like in those specific instances there's kind of a pitter patter of like the back and forth to the structure there and it does have that like almost preachy kind of wisdom type sound that you hear in like idioms or you hear in um what's the like axioms or something like that where you just hear it it, like flipping the sentence like that kind of Sounds clever or wise. And yeah, that's a good example of that. The literary corner I pulled for today was Stream of Consciousness, which the Penguin entry on that in their literary dictionary is quite long. I'll just try and do a brief version. It was a, coin, a term, not a coin, a term coined by William James in Principles of Psychology, which was published in 1890. To denote the flow of inner experiences, and it has become an almost indispensable term in literary criticism, which is true, especially since the early 1900s. And it refers to a technique which seeks to depict the multitudinous thoughts and feelings which pass through the mind. Another phrase for it is interior monologue. I was going to read a really long James Joyce quote that they use for it. James Joyce is probably considered, I don't know, like the Western canon master of stream of consciousness. I don't know if you agree. Virginia Woolf, maybe. I think it's got to be Joyce. it's It's like the one name you hear when it gets brought up, but there, there are many others, like and Master mm-hmm. of
2: being like way too wordy. and <laughs>
0: <laughs> well the the thing of, I thought about the quote that they pulled, which was from I believe Ulysses, which is kind of like the legendary uh, version or, or example of it, but the the thing about the quote that they pulled that I found fascinating was it? it's very choppy. Like, it's not, the sentences don't run on. That's kind of, it's kind of the antithesis of that. Like, there's a ton of one-word sentences in there too. And that, that equally throws a reader off. Um, and I think when I was reading this, I don't think Mozart goes full stream of consciousness. The number of dashes, though, in interjected kind of phrases and clauses within other ones, it I think it reads pretty clearly and it's not a narrative stream of consciousness all the way, but I couldn't help but just marvel at his own interruptions and how kind of interpersonal and f- it did have a bit of a flow state to it where it seemed like he didn't edit it at all or didn't seem interested in so- sort of going back over and doing a second draft of a letter, which mm-hmm. uh, in terms of saving time just is, seems pragmatic or something. But it does it does have a bit of a flow, especially on Mozart's end where... Yeah, he's just letting sentences run, and f- there's multi page paragraphs in there. And it's just, the, you know, there's a hundred dashes in a sentence cutting off thoughts and interrupting with a different phrase or clause. It, so I don't think it goes full stream of consciousness. And I don't, I certainly don't think it was like a sort of narrative choice, quote unquote, because it's, you know, a diary or a, a letter. But it, it felt that way to me reading it. I'm not sure what your reactions were.
1: I think uh I, I kinda picked up on that. I mean definitely not the like Joyce connection or uh anything like that because, you know, you guys are from like that literary background, you have that whole uh like understanding going. But uh for me, yeah, I did I did definitely pick up on uh like the Mozart letters being uh kinda here and there, like kind of dashing around, like, well it could be this, it is this, like I'm, I'm wondering this, I'm thinking about that. Um, I, I definitely picked up on that and I, yeah, I, I like that part of it. I um I usually
2: dislike stream of co- consciousness when it comes to mm-hmm. fiction writing, um, but it didn't bother me here. I think because I'm a lot more forgiving knowing that this is a letter rather than uh, mm. a, a stylistic choice. Like that, and also stream of consciousness. Consciousness sometimes in, in fiction just feels a little not strained, but almost like um, like put on unnatural, right? Yeah. Uh, but this is his natural progression of thoughts, and I definitely noticed it. Especially like we we mentioned it earlier when he um, was writing about his his mother, and then immediately he changes and doesn't even give like a transition, just like changes the topic to like berate the French and stuff like that. Like it, right. you can definitely tell that there's not, yeah, he's definitely not planning out what he's writing um, right. beforehand, but yeah, it didn't bother me as much. Um, even though I, I generally just like a stream of consciousness writing.
0: I think all things in, uh, we come back to this, or at least I come back to this a lot with the literature we've covered. But all things in moderation. Yeah, I've I've reacted negatively in the past to authors who go and and do really heavily stream of consciousness. But in in moments, um, I know I, I, there's some John Updike stuff that I've enjoyed, where it's like there he has moments of it, and then certainly there are other moments of much smoother narration and. Yeah. It's funny how it does invite kind of polarized thinking though, because the the trouble with the stream of consciousness author is that you either jump to there's such dense meaning in this that you'll never unpack it all. Like they've done, they've created something so intricate that it's like, can't even be analyzed. It's such a wondrous creation. Or you can just do the hard opposite and be like, this is meaningless. Like you could literally make up whatever you wanted and it would sound like this. Like there's nothing to unpack here because... They can just say whatever they want in whatever order, and there's no meaning. It kind of invites both of those reactions in a weird way. I thought this was, again, a bit more neutral, but it did remind me of that style when I read it. I, I definitely had, there were moments or passages where I thought, like, he just switched the topic, you know, 13 times, and there were 12 dashes, and <laughs> there's just all kinds of interjections. And um, it, it definitely made for an odd reading at times, but I think pretty personal still. Yeah. Let's get into the reviews. Then we'll close out with our normal one-two combo here—the new Russell French in Memoriam. So, what's good about it? Segment. will start us off. Ryan, what did you find was good about reading this? At least one thing. I
1: mean, I think what ended up being meaningful to me was uh, that it kind of started off, it kind of is a slower burn, a lot of uh, generic stuff at the beginning, but over the course of over the course of the of the book, you kind of get oh, for the dynamic between Mozart and his dad. And you kind of begin to appreciate like the little things and kind of the back and forth. And I think that was what sort of made it all worthwhile, especially towards the end. We're not, you know, we don't have to spoil anything, but things get a lot more personal. And I think the timeline also becomes more of a factor towards the, towards the last few letters when you're like really trying to piece together what's going on in their lives and um everything like that so for me the what was good about it was that you got you kind of get to understand mozart as like a young dude who's like a kind of on the cusp of some sort of success and given the context of like his life and his career uh i felt like it was kind of a sneak peek uh, without knowing anything about him. So I thought that was uh, like a, a really interesting part for me.
0: Amanda, what about for you?
1: What was one good thing uh, from reading
0: this Mozart collection?
2: I really enjoyed being able to get a taste of Mozart's personality. And uh, I was actually, when I first started reading it, I was kind of like, oh man, is this going to be like reading Pepis? Is it just going to like drag really? on? Especially because, you know, I had this idea that Mozart would be really stuffy and really pompous and just like a boring Mm -hmm. person who only talked about music. And um, it was, it was a really nice actually surprise for me to see that he's very funny and uh, sarcastic. And um, apparently uh, he really likes toilet humor, which I found fascinating. (laughs) And uh, so what I really enjoyed was getting to read, and see who he is as a person but also I thought it was smart of Penguin to include the letters from his father as well so that we could see um, what the relationship was like between the two and to see how uh, his writing seemed to have been like and, and his choices in life and stuff were very much informed by his father. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a really smart uh, inclusion. For this yeah, review.
0: I don't. I don't think it would have worked for me at all without the back and forth aspect. Yeah. I think just one side, a one-sided version of this, I think would just completely fail. Mm-hmm. I included my what was good about it was just the the ending, the concluding letter for the collection they gave us. It's from his father, and it's when he learns that his mother had passed away, which I I feel comfortable spoiling nonfiction. I, that I don't care about. It, it's <laughs> these are just the facts of history. You could just Google it. Um, but anyway, so the, yeah, I think there was some sentimentality that comes through in the end that I thought felt more authentic. He has these expressions, like he says, good God a lot. And I think that it feels in other parts of other letters, like a bit exaggerative or even silly. But I think the the kind of difficulty of the emotional ending, I thought just really worked. I I didn't think they were going to include it, but I think it was kind of the perfect and fitting way to, to wrap up this like little sneak peek into their personal lives. And it felt very intimate to read it, which I think, you know, was kind of the point Let's um, jump to ratings then. Uh, Scale here is one through three, so a one being do not read this, a two being maybe read it perhaps, and a three being definitely read this. Um, I'll start us off this week. I think it's a solid two, another week of a a solid two, a qualified recommendation. I think I'm going to borrow the same qualification from the Great Fire of London episode that Amanda and I did, which is if you have even a, a small bit of interest in the historical or in the case of Mozart, like literally historic, given his like legendary status, he's a historic figure. Um, If you have any interest in that that element, I think then it's a three for that person, whoever you are, imaginary listener. I I wonder though, what like a generic, you know, just like a literary audience, or even, you know, if you're a non-reader, welcome. We love you as well. But just a general audience's interest in like a 1700s musical genius or icon. I mean, you've definitely heard Mozart tunes. I, I don't know if you don't care about him at all, then it maybe would just come across as kind of an intimate peek at a kind of a y- young life of an artist sort of, you know, struggling early, you know, need, needing finances, needing help. Um, and I think it does show a lot of good interpersonal stuff. But I think, so I think two is kind of a perfect situation for this one. How about for you, Ryan, what do you think?
1: I I was leaning closer to a one, but I, I think mm-hmm. for anyone who's slightly interested in classical music or the artist himself this has to be a two it's intimate enough where if if that is slightly anywhere near uh your interest level it, it's a must read so that would make it a three yeah. so
0: amanda how about for you then what did you find this or are we going to go with a two or what are you thinking
2: yes i am definitely going to go with a two and jumping off on on how uh, it's it's like a peek into an artist's life, I would say that, yes, even if you're not a fan of Mozart or of classical music, if you mm-hmm. have interest in um, seeing what it's like to, to be an aspiring artist and a struggling artist in some ways, then I think that this would be a, a great read for you. And even if you have no interest in that, um, and if you have uh, no interest in the environment of the times, uh, you know, he he was in Austria uh, during the 18th century and stuff like that. If you have no interest in any of that, Mm -hmm. then um, I think that if you come at it from like a character analysis perspective where you're interested in like the psychology of a person or in, if you're just interested in when, what people think or just human nature or anything like that, or if you're interested in father son relationships, um, I think that this would be, a solid read for you as well, just just based yeah. on on how clearly we can look into this relationship in particular.
0: Yeah, don't sleep on the the kind of familial potency of it too. I think that's a good that's a definitely great reason to visit this as well if you're intrigued by that kind of thing. The insights there are strong. I think that's yeah perfect uh, twos across the board from all of us. It's a strong middle of the road recommendation, which feels right to me. I did rather enjoy reading this, but yeah, it felt like qualified would be the right way to do it well first one with all three of us in the books folks it was rather smooth and enjoyable i don't know how you guys felt about it but it was a real joy and uh went off mostly without a hitch look at us triple potting yeah
1: we'll see we'll leave it up to the editing for uh for that to be the final verdict but yeah there'll
0: be some stuff on the cutting room floor in this one but not much just you know some scraps to take off just gotta trim it up um Next week, we've got Plato coming next week, or I guess I was redundant there, but that's a revisit for me. I read a ton of Plato in college and some classes, so that'll be something I've already encountered, which in this collection doesn't happen that often. Um, I don't know if you guys have any familiarity with Plato, but it's uh, Socrates' defense. So that is the before he was, I believe, given capital punishment by drinking hemp or something like that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, sort of presents his own. Um, life and his own philosophy that should be a fascinating one it's been a long time since i've read plato and getting back to that should be a great time i look forward to doing that hopefully the three of us will return next week we'll see who checks in for uh next week's episode until then we will see between the classics